from Bayside Church International Victor Harbour. This is Chad Mansbridge. Over, over winter, um, we're doing a few sets of mini-series. And the first one was three weeks talking about uh, on the subject of listen, where we looked at the importance of listening to God. This now, as of last week, we started our next mini-series called Speak. And Leanne launched that and segued beautifully last week about how the story with Alex's brother, they were listening to what God was saying and in listening to what God was saying, they were making sure they spoke the same thing out of their mouths in that situation. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, um, make the good confession, he says, remember, he says, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he uses the word good confession uh, when you made the good confession, he says, even Jesus made the good confession. The word there for confession in the Greek is homo, homos, logos. Homo, which means same. Logos, which means word. So to make the good confession is to say the same word. The same word that God says. Okay, depending on your religious background, when you hear the word confession, you might think, okay, hiding in a black box and and talking about all the rotten stuff in your life, all right? Well, that's fine to say if you're saying the same word that God is saying, okay? But that's what confession is. It's saying the same thing. And so we've segued from listening to God to speaking. And today, lost my footing, today, um, the, sub, the title for my message this morning is Speaking Without Thinking. Uh-oh. Speaking without thinking. Now, I think we all know what it's like to have someone in our friendship circle who is really good at this, <laughs> at speaking without thinking. And ordinarily, speaking without thinking is not a good thing. In fact, many of us have been either on the giving or the receiving end of people speaking in haste and those words calling, causing harm or hurt. I think certainly all of us are adults. We've been on both ends of that, speaking in haste. Proverbs 27.20 says, there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks words in haste. Okay, so ordinarily, speaking without thinking is not a good thing. It can often cause heart or harm. Or heart, hurt, heart, hurt, or harm. Someone buy a vow, for goodness sake. But sometimes speaking without thinking can be hilarious. And I'm sure you've got friends that are pretty funny when they say things without thinking. I'm not generally prone to do that, really, but the few stories I do have about speaking without thinking are damn funny. One of them includes a friend, um, Marty Stockdale. It happened about 10 years ago. We were at a pastor's conference here in Victor Harbour. We were hosting it and, or playing a part in and hosting it and and we'd found out that the, the session after lunch, the speaker was going to be talking to us, group of pastors, he was going to be doing a sex session. He was going to be talking about sex. Uh, the, basically, there was all married couples there, and we knew that this is what, it, what he was going to be doing in the next session. And as a host, I thought, you know, generally, that's going to be a, a bit of nervousness in the room. I, I want to help break the ice uh, to help him do his session, his sex session well, okay? So at lunchtime, I, got some, uh, I spoke to some friends, and, uh, Marty and Carrie Ann, and we said, listen, why don't we go down to Woolies and just deck out the room a bit? And so we went down. I got some Barry White music, okay? So that when people came into the session, Barry White was playing in the thing. Okay, we went down. We got some strawberries, and we got a bottle of champagne, and we 
got some ribbons and some rose petals we put out on all the, the, uh, the chairs. I said to Jay, go down to Woolies and buy some condoms and put the, scatter them around the room as well. So we did this and it, was, it worked really well because it actually did because people walked into the room with Barry White playing and this and it kind of just broke the nerves in the room and Tom could share. And I said to Jay as the um, session was going on, I said, oh, did you make sure you give me the receipt for when you went and bought the stuff? And she said, oh no, Carrie Ann purchased it. So she told me they went down to Woolies and there they are lining up in the, in the checkout with boxes of condoms and, and uh, strawberries and cream and stuff. I'm like, okay, good on you, right? And Carrie Ann paid for it. I'm like, well, it was my idea. I mean, we really should have paid, but whatever. Anyway, the session went really well. After lunch, uh, sorry, after that session, we were going out to dinner and we're having a barbecue with a few pastors and we're going out with Marty and Carrie Ann. And so I went out with Marty to buy some barbecue meat and some drinks. And so now we're in the checkout and we're getting all our drinks ready and da 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 da. We're there. And uh, as you do, you're standing before the checkout guy and you go to, Marty puts his hand on his wallet and I said, No, 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 mate, I'll pay for this. After all, your wife paid for all the condoms. And Marty's face just went totally white. He stared at me. He's looking at the guy on the checkout. The guy at the checkout's going, what? And I said, oh, no, don't worry. There's a whole group of us staying at Whaler's Inn. We're, we're past it. Oh, no, no, no. So sometimes speaking without thinking causes harm. Sometimes it can be hilarious. Uh, but generally speaking, it's not a good thing. But as Christians, we know that there is another place from which our thoughts can come. Generally, when you speak thoughts from your head without filtering them, we've all got a person like that, they just don't have a filter, right? They, without filtering them, it's not generally a good thing. But as Christians, we know that there is another place within our makeup where thoughts can come, and it's not our head, it's our spirit. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.11, who actually knows, 1 Corinthians 2, who knows the thoughts of a person... Honestly, apart from that person's very spirit. Okay? Let's have a read. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. So you can have thoughts come to your head, but you can also have thoughts come from your spirit. And while thoughts that come to your head, it's generally wise to filter them before you speak. When it comes to thoughts that come from your reborn spirit that's been created in Christ, you and the Holy Spirit is one within. When it comes to thoughts that come from your spirit, there's no need to filter at all. It is perfectly fine and helpful to speak without thinking, if and when you speak from your spirit. And by and large, that the term given to that, speaking from your spirit without filtering it through your brain, is what the Bible refers to as speaking in tongues. That is what I want to have a look at today. I want to talk about speaking without thinking. I want to talk about speaking with tongues. Today we're going to look at some of the five big questions about speaking in tongues. We're going to look at what, why, who, when and how of speaking without thinking. In other words, praying in tongues. That's what we're going to do. Why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, if you brought your scriptures today. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to read a few, pass, a few verses from there. 1 Corinthians 14. I did not ask Jay's permission to share that story. Too late, darling, it's recorded. Okay. If you're, uh, that's right, just do it and ask for forgiveness later, yes. Um, 
if you're taking notes this morning, other key passages, particularly in the book of Acts, because what we're reading in Corinthians is a letter, okay? But in the book of Acts, we see living examples, literal historical narrative examples of speaking in tongues. So if you're taking notes, you can go home and read Acts 2, verse 1 to 11, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 11, Acts 10, 44 to 46, Acts 10, 44, 46, and Acts 19, 6 to 7. There's three distinct stories of when the Holy Spirit came on people and they spoke in tongues, Acts 2, Acts 10, and Acts 19, but we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 14. bit of a thing about 1 Corinthians 14, before I kick into this, is that as a letter, uh, what you need to know about the big picture of 1 Corinthians 14 is a, is a response letter, okay? It's not just a random scripture that fell from the sky, it's written by a guy called Paul, and he's writing a letter to a church in response to questions and problems they've got, okay? Just think of it like an email. He's emailing them, uh, answering a bunch of questions that they have. So it's a response letter. And what we're about to read in chapter 14, the direct context of this chapter has to do with their church meetings. In fact, it starts back in chapter 11, where he says, I'm about to talk to you about your meetings, because by and large, your meetings do more harm than good. That's not a nice email to get, is it? Just want to let you know, when you do church, it sucks, okay? You're actually doing more harm than good. So he's bringing correction to them about their meetings. So what we're actually about to read, the tone of what we're reading kind of downplays the importance of speaking in tongues. And here's Chad today trying to upplay it. So in doing that, please understand, I'm not contradicting the Scripture. I'm just speaking from a different context with a different intention. Paul's writing specifically about the way they, they uh, sort of coordinate their public gathering as a church. That's what he is addressing. And so as he talks about tongues, it's generally downplaying the importance of it because that's his intention to talk about their public gatherings. Chad's intention today is to talk not to the Corinthian church, but is to talk to you with a slightly different intention. I'm not here talking about how we run our church gatherings. I'm here to talk about how you, generally speaking, in your private life can speak without thinking from your spirit and engage with God. So I'm going to be upselling speaking in tongues, while Paul in this passage seems to be downselling it, and that doesn't mean I'm being unbiblical, what it means is I just have a different intention to what Paul does, but I'm using the same truth that he brings out. That makes sense? So it's not like taking out of context, no, I know the context, like I know the context, I'm just taking the truths out of his context and applying those truths in our context, which is a bit different. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. So that's why the tone of what Paul says, and then how Chad's going to say it, may read a bit different. I'm not being dodgy, okay? And if I am, just talk about it on Facebook publicly, that'd be great, yeah, that'd be awesome, yeah, why don't, why don't you do that, that'd be really wise. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, oh yeah, yeah, okay, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. In the Greek, the word gifts isn't actually there, it's just the spiritual things, okay, whatever. Especially prophecy, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but they speak to God. Indeed, no one understands them because they're uttering mysteries by the Spirit. That said, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. So anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. The one who prophesies edifies others, the church. Now, I would like every single one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets, so that the congregation may be 
edified. For the sake of time, just duck down to verse um, something else. (laughs) 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Okay, My spirit's praying, not my brain. So what am I going to do? Well, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who's now put in the position of an inquirer say, Amen, to your thanksgiving, since they don't even know what you're saying. You're giving thanks well enough, but my point is that other people aren't edified. Now, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But, in the context of church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to help other people than speak 10,000 words in a tongue that nobody understands. So, this is the word of the Lord. What? (laughs) Why? Who? When? And how? I can't remember all the questions. First question is this. What is... Speaking in tongues. Broadly speaking, speaking in tongues is being empowered by Holy Spirit to communicate in a language that doesn't make sense to your mind. It's voicing a vocabulary that is unknown or unfamiliar to you where your words and the thoughts that they express are not coming from your brain but are coming from your spirit. So speaking in tongues is being empowered by Holy Spirit to communicate in a language that doesn't make sense to you. You're voicing a vocabulary that's unknown to you where the words and the thoughts that they express and aren't coming from up here, they're coming from your spirit. And so verse 2, he says, when someone prays in the spirit or prays in tongues, they are uttering mysteries by the spirit. He says, when I pray in a tongue, my mind is unfruitful. Put simply, speaking in tongues is speaking without thinking. And as we just saw in that passage, while we often say the word speaking in tongues, in that passage, he also used the word praying in tongues. He also used the word giving thanks in tongues. He also used the word singing and praising in tongues. Let's get personal. 1995. I was doing year 12... Matt and I were in the same class, played footy together. I was 16 years of age and I was getting serious about my relationship with God and my parents sent me on an Easter camp. And I was, for the first time really, I was surrounded by a whole bunch of young people because I grew up in a country church where there was only two or three teenagers my age and didn't really have anyone my age who was really passionate for God. So my parents sent me on this youth camp and for the first time I was surrounded by 100, 200, 300 people who were just passionate for God and I was like I want what they're having you know that type of thing and in one of the sessions I think it was Russell Evans who was speaking from Planet Shakers and he spoke about being baptized in the spirit and speaking in tongues and I was like I want that I'd grown up in a Pentecostal church uh, the way that our worship tended to happen um, like in all churches you kind of get into your system you know we had two or three upbeat songs one slow song and during that slow song you always had the singing in tongues part okay it was just it's just what you had that's where we had and you know I'll just sit there bored 
So I knew that people could sing in tongues, but it wasn't for me until this camp. I said, Holy Spirit, I want this. Would you baptize me in your spirit? And in Easter 1995, for the first time, I felt the power of God come on my body, literally felt him. God went from being something that I had as a worldview to being a person I knew that I knew that I knew. You can't shake this from me. And I began to pray in tongues for the very first time. I struggled in that meeting, but I walked out and went out bush on my own and was just praying and praying and boom, suddenly it flowed. And I started praying in tongues for the first time. That is Easter 1995. Six weeks later, I'm driving home from Adelaide. I grew up here in Victor Harbour at night time. Come around the corner near the dairy farm out here just before Arambira. There are headlights in front of me. And that's about all I remember. Until I hear someone asking me my name. My name's Chad. Then I hear a, a doctor lifting me onto a stretcher. And taking me to a helicopter. And I remember looking up at the ceiling going, can I look out the window, please? They said no. And then the next morning, the next thing I remember is an Indian guy tugging at my lip because I was getting surgery in emergency at Flinders Hospital. It wasn't until the next day that all my thoughts suddenly came back together again and I realised I'd had a big car accident just outside Arambira here on the main Victor Harbour Road. Um, it was a really tough morning to wake up and realise I was driving. What happened to my dad, who was next to me, and what happened to my friend, who was sitting in the back? One of the worst emotional feelings I've ever had is lying in hospital not knowing whether the friend in the back of the car was alive and knowing that I was behind the wheel. You wouldn't wish that thought on anybody. I speak, good thing is we all survived and over the next couple of days, of course, we learn what had happened. What the heck went on? I hit a milk truck um, at the collision speed on the odometer was about 64 k's an hour. So while 60 k's does not feel fast when you're driving, ladies and gentlemen, it is very fast when you stop at that speed. I found out that we had the jaws of life that needed to cut the car open. I had six bags of blood pumped into me, a helicopter ride to Flinders and uh, there was even a moment there where they thought they might need to amputate my legs. The medical staff and the emergency staff that were there, they called down the major tra uh, traffic guys from Adelaide to come and investigate because they thought one of us was probably going to die so you better call the major people in. It was nothing short of a miracle and even though doctors aren't allowed to say this, they said it. It's a miracle you survived. What's your point? The next day, as my friend who was in the back seat came to see me in my bed in hospital, he starts to tell me what he remembered from the accident. Because I remembered nothing. What's your name? Helicopter. Indian tucking at my lip. That's my memory, right? Uh, and he said, Chad, we hit a truck, a truck and all I could see was a big silver wall. See, the first thing I did was try to open the door and it was jammed because I couldn't, I couldn't get out. He said, but then the next thing I saw was you sitting in the front seat. He said, your arms were raised through the shattered windshield. And he said, you were singing in Italian. <laughs> he said, you kind of were singing in Italian with your hands raised like this because there was no windshield, it was all, all glass was all gone. He said, you were singing in Italian and then he said, you were chanting. And then you were singing and then you were chanting. And he said, I knew that you were praying. I just didn't understand the words that were coming out. This friend of mine, year 12 friend, is not a Christian, had no idea what was going on, what was happening. My brain was not functioning. My brain was not coming up words. My brain was not deciding to pray that day. Oh, this would be a good idea. I'll worship the Lord. 
in the splendor of his holiness. I was not thinking that up here. But my spirit was alive and well. And my spirit rose up in praise and worship and intercession and thanked God for the miracle that had taken place. My life was saved and my spirit was alive and well to worship God for it. I'm grateful. I'm not saying that that miracle would not have happened had I not have prayed in the situation, but I'm very grateful that six weeks earlier, Holy Spirit had come upon me. He'd given my... I'd walked into this zone of praying without my brain, but praying with my spirit. And then six weeks later, I put that to very good use. Thank you very much in that situation. Do we have that photo, Jono, just to give a bit of context? This is me. Isn't he handsome? And you're right, that's Jesse. Jesse is now that age. See, no matter how good you may be with words, no matter how much you may love talking, or you may be a words person, your intellect and your vocabulary have limitations. Your intellect and your vocabulary, no matter how many languages you speak, has limitations, and especially when it comes to prayer and praising an awesome God. And I've got a feeling that's what Charles Wesley experienced 280 years ago when he wrote many hymns. He was an awesome orator, Charles Wesley, founded basically the Wesleyan Church, wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs. He was very good with words, but one of the most famous stanzas that he wrote said, Oh, for a thousand tongues to declare my great Redeemer's praise. Oh, for a thousand tongues. One tongue is not enough. One language is not enough because I'm limited in how my heart can express my gratitude to this awesome God. I just wish I had a thousand tongues to say how awesome he is. I think this is what Daniel and Ezekiel and John experienced when they had heavenly visions and they tried to write them down after encountering heaven. And Ezekiel was like, I saw what was like the likeness of the, 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 the sort of the coming of what I thought was the likeness of the appearance of Jasper. It's like, what are you saying? Well, it was the likeness of the appearance of, the, of, of something. He couldn't quite articulate it. I think this is what Hannah experienced in 1 Samuel when she was so emotional, crying out to God for a baby. She wanted a child and she was weeping and crying. And the prophet looked at her. Nothing was coming out of her mouth. But she was somehow praying. She was just lost for words. And somehow, whether it's praying because you're so emotional about something that's upset you like Hannah, or whether it's praising God because you realize how awesome he is, you are limited in your language of, of expressing your heart to him. And I'm sure there's been moments you've had that frustration. The good news is God has answered Charles Wesley's prayer. And he has enabled you to pray without thinking, according to the constraints of your vernacular vocabulary and language set, a skill set. And so I can pray and I can say, Lord, I so thank you for today. I think it's going to be great. I thank you for these wonderful people that are going to come to our building. What a privilege it is for visitors and for long-term people. I thank you for the people that are serving. I thank you for the music team. And, um, and um, oh, you know, you're really great and everything. You just sort of get a bit stuck because your brain runs out of words. But when you can sing, Oh Lord, you can just pray for hours and you can pray for hours and you can because you never run out of words when your spirit, your unlimited spirit is engaging with the eternal spirit of God without the confines of your brain. You can pray without thinking and just because it's strange, it doesn't need to be weird. You can say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's nothing weird about that. It's a bit strange if you 
you're talking to an invisible person, and you know, who are you actually talking to? It's strange maybe to an unbeliever, but it doesn't have to look weird. Thank you, Lord, you're awesome. I pray with my mind. I pray with my spirit. It's strange, but it doesn't have to be weird because it's just your spirit praying with God, praying or speaking without thinking. What is praying in tongues? It is praying outside of the confines of your mind because it is not uh, thoughts or feelings from your mind being expressed. It is your spirit expressing words that you don't understand. And that is a wonderful thing. Number two, why? Why? Why should we speak in tongues? Well, first thing we need to establish is because it's good. <laughs> like... That's pretty well a foundational start, right? If it comes from God, then it's good. Is every good and perfect gift comes from God? If it's something that God has given, then why even ask why? It's like, well, God's given it, I'll use it, all right? It's a good thing. So that's the foundational start. God gives good and perfect gifts. But what are some of the specific benefits? Well, that largely depends on the issue Paul was encountering and he was trying to deal with there in 1 Corinthians 14 about the question of the intended or the primary intended audience. What are the benefits of tongues? Well, it depends on who the primary intended audience is. And that's one of the questions that almost every communicator needs to ask themselves. If you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're an author, if you're a public speaker, if you're a teacher in a classroom, how, how is your communication going to benefit? What is the benefit of your communication? One of the questions is, well, who's my target audience? If I know who my audience is, then I can explain to you how this can actually benefit people. And so if the intended audience is primarily public where other people will benefit from listening to tongues, or sorry, if the intended audience is public, then obviously the benefit will be public. It will benefit other people. And of course the obvious question is, how can other people understand a mysterious language? And there's quite simply two ways. Number one, they understand it supernaturally. First Corinthians 14, they, they are able by the Spirit to interpret it. Well, that, that helps. Or number two, they just understand it naturally because what's being spoken is actually their mother tongue. Might be strange to you, but it's not strange to them. That's exactly what we see happen in Acts chapter 2, where the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes upon all those who were there at the day of Pentecost. It says they all spoke in tongues and there were foreigners there who said, hang on, they're speaking my native language. There's no, nothing supernatural about that. They understood naturally what those words were. It was a public use of tongues. Why did they speak in tongues? Well, it benefits other people. But if the intended audience can also be private, like Paul says, when I pray, I pray and I edify myself when I speak in tongues. If the intended audience is primarily me and God, then who stands to benefit? Me and God. Me and God. I benefit because it says it edifies me. Edify means to build up, to strengthen, encourage. Jude 1 verse 20 says continue to build yourself up by praying in the Spirit. So he borrows Paul's language here. Continue to build yourself up. But the third person this benefits is God himself. And I think poor God gets left out of this conversation sometimes. Who does, God, who, does, who does tongues benefit? Well, it can benefit other people if the intended audience is public. It can benefit me as the prayer. But I tell you, who loves you praying to him? God loves it. God loves you speaking to him. God loves you 
engaging with him. God loves you communicating with him. God loves you praising him. God doesn't need you to talk to him. And quite frankly, he'll be fine for the rest of his existence if you never open your mouth again. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He doesn't need you, but he loves it when you say hi. How many of you parents just love unsolicited thanks from your kids? Don't you just love it when out of the blue they just call just to say, I'm thinking of you? Don't you just love it when your kid surprises you and says, thank you? Like a very rare occasion. No, don't you love it? When your kid just sends you a note, just say, I want to let you know I just love you and I'm thinking I want to know how you're going. How much more our Father when we just engage with Him? He loves it when you engage with Him and speak with Him, whatever language you're using. Tongues, of course, is a huge benefit to you because you don't have to think of the right words to say. So why speak in tongues? Well, it's just a win, win, win. It's something from God and it benefits a lot of people. And where we see this in Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people at Cornelius' house, you can go home and read that, and it says, the Holy Spirit came on these people and they heard them praising God in tongues. The people who were listening did not know what they were saying because this was just them praising God himself. Who stood to benefit from that? Well, God did. Because God always benefits from receiving praise. Moving on, number three. Who? Who can speak or pray in tongues? Well, again, I believe the answer here comes down to the matter of the intended audience. The whole thing is, well, what is the context? When it comes to who, what do you mean the context? What's the context? In 1 Corinthians 14, this whole thing about the intended audience being public, Paul's point there when he says only two or three, again, is very specific about in the context of a church meeting. It's no point a thousand people all having a go at speaking in tongues. You had two or three because it, there needs to be interpretation there. So in a meeting context, maybe only a couple of people because unless people understand what's going on, no one's actually going to benefit. So in the context of a meeting, the answer to who is maybe only a couple because after that, that's really enough for that meeting. If you can imagine my dad, who's bilingual, some of you know he's a Japanese teacher, and you imagine my dad, we're sitting down at a family meal, there might be six or seven of us around the table, and suddenly my dad remembers that one of his Japanese students has a birthday. Oh, dad says, I need to call someone and wish my Japanese student happy birthday. I'm like, fine, dad. So there at the table, while we're eating dinner, he gets on his phone, he rings up his Japanese student, teacher, and he starts talking in Japanese. Oh, I can't speak in Japanese. <laughs> you can't go down that track, can you? You're just instantly racist, isn't it? Okay. And, you know, for the first 30 seconds or so, we might go, oh, good on you, Dad. But how many of you know if he then engaged in a conversation for five minutes, we'd be like, yeah, go get a room, you know? Just like this is, no, none of us are helping here hearing this one-way conversation uh, with a language that we don't understand. Now, if Dad was there at the table and he'd say something and then he'd say to us, oh, I just wish happy birthday. Oh, they're out to dinner. At oh, they say hello too. If he was interpreting, he goes, then we all benefit. That's great. But at the end of the day, when there's a public audience, the primary, who should speak in tongues? Well, not everyone, for goodness sake. You'll never get anything done in a meal time. So uh, in, a, in a public sphere, the answer is not everyone. But that's not my point today. My focus today is when the intended audience of tongues is private, 
then the audience, or sorry, not the audience, but the answer to who should speak in tongues, I believe quite simply, is everyone. Everyone and anyone. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I want all of you to speak in tongues. In a church service, only two or three, because you, you know, you've got to get other stuff done. But at the end of the day, I pray God, I, speak, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I want all of you to, in that private setting. In Mark 16, Jesus says, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will, among other things, speak in tongues. He didn't say, these signs will accompany only a few people who believe. No, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will speak in other tongues. In all the examples that I gave earlier in the book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, when the Holy Spirit comes on them, it says all of them, all of them, all of them, baptized in the Spirit and all of them spoke in tongues. So I believe the answer to that question in that private use, when that's the intended audience, is all of y'all. I believe Charles Wesley's prayer has been answered. And every person who wants to praise and pray God and has understood that their brain has limitations, the Holy Spirit has a solution to that for you. And that is for you to pray from your spirit without thinking. And so just like a lot of things, if you're here today like me at the age of 16, until I went to that camp, and this is an experience that you haven't had yet, please don't say, oh, it's not for me. Just say, it hasn't been my experience yet. Because there are a lot of things in God that I'm yet to experience. I've never had like an open heavenly vision before, and I've had friends who have. I've never physically, literally with my eyes, seen an angel before, and I've had friends who have. But I don't want to look at that and go, oh, well, it's obviously not for me. I want to say, that's just not my experience yet. Because I'm open, Lord, and I'm actually willing to press in to something that I can see is available. And Lord, I'm going to press in to say, I want that to be for me. I see that you want it to be for me. I'm willing to engage with you in that way. So we're going to talk about more about that in just a moment. Next question. Number four, when, when or where should we speak in tongues? Well, again, Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 14 is... When the setting is a public one, essentially you only speak out in tongues for other people to hear if you have faith to interpret what you're saying or you have faith that someone else there will. Then it makes sense to. Another instance I feel it's really helpful to pray in tongues is when you're in a public setting but everyone is raising their voices together. Okay, This is what we see in Acts chapter 4 where it says they all raise their voice together in prayer to God. Imagine being at a footy stadium. Everyone's raising their voice together. That guy's yelling at the umpire, of course. That guy's yelling at a player. That guy's yelling at the opposition. That, kid's, that guy's yelling at his kid. That person's yelling out for a hot dog. Okay, you're all these people raising their voice together and you're not interested in what they're saying, but together all of you are creating an atmosphere. Okay, around that guy. Similar thing in certain prayer contexts or worship contexts like we had this morning. You can all be raising your voice and your attention is not on the people. We're just all together raising our voice. So I believe in a public setting, that's a great opportunity to be praying out loud in tongues. In fact, I do it a lot, especially when I'm singing songs and I don't like the lyrics of them. And that can happen anywhere where you just go, I can't sing those words. I don't really think that, I don't resonate with those words, but I'm not going to sit there and go, nah, don't like those words. I'll still worship. I'll just pray in tongues. Who cares? I'm here to worship God. 
Those words may not be my experience. I may not vibe with them. I may not even understand beyond the veil. What the heck does that mean? I'll just worship. You know, um, I may not even understand, but I'll pray in tongues. I'll sing in tongues while that's happening. So that's fine in a corporate context. But again, primarily, I want to speak about when should we pray in tongues privately? And the answer to that question is all the time. Don't wait to have a car accident, for goodness sake. Pray in tongues all the time. First, uh, first what her name? First Thessalonians 5.17 says pray always, without ceasing. Um, th- there's another verse in another book in the New Testament. <laughs> Ephesians 5. It says pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. How often should you pray in tongues? Well, how often should you pray? As often as you can. Drive the car. Pray in the Spirit. Do the dishes. Pray in the Spirit. Do your tax. Pray in the Spirit. (laughs) Be in the shower. Pray in the Spirit. Walk the dog. Sometimes I like literally have stuff in my ears and I'm not listening to anything, but I just want to speak out loud and not make people think I'm talking to myself and pretend I've got a phone. On top, I'm going to say, I'll walk along and I'll be speaking in tongues. You can do that. (laughs) Brian, you pray continually because that's it. Your brain doesn't have to be engaged. There's often times I'll actually be praying in tongues while my mind's engaged in something else. It's actually a fun little experiment that people do where you're literally trying to write something in English and then talk out loud in English. It's a bit hard. Some of you women who are great multitaskers might be able to do it. But, um, but where you're trying to do something in English, like bookkeeping and speaking another subject in English, it's pretty hard. But try it like this. You can be writing something in English or doing numbers or something like this and speaking down here from your spirit, your brain's not engaged, so you can actually be doing both of those things at once very easily. Those of you who don't think you're multitaskers, you are. Your brain can be fully engaged with something and your spirit fully engaged with something else. That's the idea. So you can do it any, any time of the day. You can do this, vacuuming the floor. I mean, just whenever, go for it. When and where should we speak in tongues? All right, lastly, how? How? How do we speak in tongues? And in a very Chad way, I'm going to give you my answer to that. Huh? It's as simple as A, B, C. Well done. A. Ask. Ask. Jesus is talking to a bunch of dads once and he says, no offence guys, but you're all evil. No matter how good of a dad you are, you're evil compared with how good our heavenly dad is. And as wicked and as evil as you lot are, you still know how to give good gifts to your kids. As terrible of a parent you are, you still know what it's like to give good gifts. How much more an awesome father loves to give good gifts to those who ask. He loves to give good gifts to those who ask. And it is in that context, Jesus said, how much more will he give Holy Spirit? So the ABCs of how do we speak in tongues? Number one, A is ask. Ask him. Ask him to baptize you, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. As we read in the book of Acts, when they spoke in other tongues, every one of those three occasions, it says they first the Holy Spirit came on them or the Holy Spirit filled them and they spoke in tongues. 
So whether you're asking God to help you speak in tongues, or probably you should back up a bit and ask God just to fill you with His Spirit, okay, ask the Holy Spirit to come upon me, then that is a beautiful and a wonderful thing to ask. So ask God to fill you. Ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you. You have not, oftentimes, because you ask not. And Paul said here in this passage in 1 Corinthians, he said, I want you to eagerly desire, eagerly desire the Holy Spirit. So number one, ask. B, believe. A is ask. B is believe that God wants to fill you with the Spirit and wants you to speak in other tongues. Okay? And hopefully I've explained that today from the context of 1 Corinthians 14, which is largely public, other people hearing, dad talking on the phone in Japanese, okay, whatever. But this private thing where I can speak with my spirit, I can have this relationship with God, I speak with him privately. That is for all of us, Mark 16. That is for all of us. I wish that all of you spoke in tongues. Thank you very much, Paul. That is for all of us. So believe that that is for you. Believe that God wants that for you. And as I said before, even if that's not your current experience yet, Today's the day to ask again and to believe, God, you want me to have this. C, cooperate with him. Ask, believe, and cooperate. In the book of Acts, it says, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke. Oh, don't get distracted. Look at me and say, they spoke. Oh, well done. That's almost cooperating. They spoke. Holy Spirit didn't speak for them. They spoke. The Holy Spirit enabled them, but they were the one doing the talking. There was cooperation that happened there. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, your, spirit, your tongue is under your control. You don't just stand there and go, Holy Spirit, help me to pray in tongues. Help me to pray in tongues, Lord. If it's really your will, you'll move my mouth. No, cooperate with him you have to do the talking you know often as a pastor as a communicator i either publicly or sometimes privately i i help people with words so i might sit down one-on-one -on -one with someone he says look i need to talk about talk to someone this week about this issue before i do i'm just what would you say and i sort of just help give them words these are my words this is what i would say i'm empowering you with words but then it's up to them to walk away and say those words for themselves. I, I can help give them the words. This is what I would say. Here's a helpful phrase. Oh, yeah, I like, oh, I'm going to use that phrase. That's a good phrase. You've ever had that before? Someone said something, you go, I like those words. <laughs> you, you, you put into words what I've always believed. I'm going to use that, okay? But you know what? You've got to use that. You've got to cooperate. So Holy Spirit can give you the words, but you have to be the ones that say them out of your mouth. God will not force your lips. As I said with me, when I was 16, I got prayed, prayed for in a meeting. Someone was praying for me. Music was up. We were singing together. And I felt like I experienced something in the Spirit, but I didn't quite get the flow. I just knew I was, I was still a bit frustrated. And for me, it took being prayed for. But then after five or ten minutes, leaving that meeting and walking out, out bush and being alone with God. And it was then that I, suddenly the flow came. And while I'm in a meeting, I'm like, Ta-ta-ta, am I doing the right thing? Ta-ta, I'm just concentrating too much. It was too hard. It just didn't work for me. Then, although I knew God was doing something, it was when I walked out bush that I was like, Lord, I just wanted to bless you. And 
He just started to flow. For Jay, she had the same thing. She was being prayed for at a meeting and it wasn't until the next day that it was in the shower. She was praising God alone in the shower and suddenly out of her own mouth, she just different words started to come and she just went with it and flowed with it. You know, it might be something a little bit like surfing or skateboarding. Someone can teach you how, someone can show you. You're kind of a bit wobbly or, or ice skating or something. But then you just whoa, hit the zone and you don't know until you actually know. And you've just got to lean in and go with that flow. So if you've never prayed in tongues before, there might be some nervousness to start with because it's unfamiliar, like surfing, like skateboarding, like roller skating, but just keep going with it and you can get in the flow. I was speaking to someone at the gym this week and they were struggling with doing what Dan calls uh, double unders in skipping. Do you know what that is? Yeah, some of us do, painfully. It's not just a single skip, but the skipping rope goes under twice. And for most of us, I really struggled when I first started doing that. I just did, did not get it, did not get a rhythm. But then I kept going for it. And one day, that flow just, just came. And that's the whole thing. One of the things about experiences with God, just because it may not have happened yet, or just because I might have tried and there was some awkwardness in it. No, no, no. Like anything that needs a flow, just keep pressing in and you'll find your sweet spot soon enough. Because it's an amazing beautiful thing that you can speak mysteries from your spirit without your mind being involved because as smart of you some as smart as some of you are you've got limitations and everything that comes to your mind shouldn't come out of your mouth but there are things in your spirit that really should come out there are things in your spirit that your spirit wants to engage with God. And it's the most beautiful thing. It's good for you. Ultimately, it's good for others. And most importantly, it's good for God. I wonder this morning if we could just stand and worship together. Just ask Holy Spirit to come on us. And then maybe in a moment, for those of you who have not yet had that breakthrough, we'll provide opportunity to pray for you, but not right now. Why don't you just lift your hands. Let's just engage with Holy Spirit. And no matter where you're at in your relationship with Him, all of us can ask for Him to come on us again in a fresh and empowering way. So the best you know how, why don't you just open your heart, close your eyes, let's just engage with Him and focus on Him for a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You want to meet with us. You want to fill us from the outside in. From the, you want to raise up within us from the inside out. Lord, we are open to Your moving. We are open to You touching us. We want to experience more of you. We want to engage and communicate more with you. And so, Father, right now I pray that the reality of the power of your presence would come upon every person under the sound of my voice, both on video, listening to this audio, and here in this room. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here in me, on me, on Chad today, on Carol today, on Leslie today, on Ian today. You are welcome here here so come 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 in jesus name